Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our second service. We are in the third week of our series called Trapped. Go ahead and get your Bibles and turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 10 this morning. And I want you just to think about the video that we just watched. I mean, is that not exactly what the gospel message is about? Is God comes in and we stand convicted, we stand condemned and identified by our sin. And the Lord, because of the gospel message, he comes in and he sets us free. Now we're alive in Christ and he gives us a brand new identity. And, you know, as I was watching this video with you, such a powerful video because it's no doubt it's about our lives being changed, that God changes our lives. And, and I hope that so many of you have experienced your life being changed by God. I pray that you've experienced his life-changing power. But I was thinking as I was sitting down here this morning, I was thinking how that also is a great reminder of what we as the church are supposed to be about. And when we started EBC, we always want to be about that, reminding people of who they can be because of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're, we're kind of like that little girl that's going around and tapping people on the shoulders and they are hopeless and they feel trapped and they're kind of hung up in their sin and they see themselves as a certain way and the gospel message is about us going and telling them about the new creation that God can make them be. I love that and I just want you to think about that and dwell on that as we continue in our series called Trapped. Well, happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you, uh, how many of you getting an extra day off tomorrow? Anybody? Raise your hands. Okay. Anybody not getting an extra day off tomorrow? You can raise your hands. How many of you are bitter about that this morning? Okay. We'll be talking about forgiveness and bitterness and anger and all that in the coming weeks. That may hold you trapped this morning. I don't know. Well, I want to begin this morning by us just reviewing uh, this passage of scripture that is our key verse for this whole series. And I want us to say this out loud. And I had to ask the first service this morning. I don't know if they're tired because of it's a holiday weekend, but first service this morning, I had to ask them to say it twice because they just seemed a little sleepy. And I don't think they really thought they were free, okay? But this verse is found in Galatians chapter 5. And let's just say it one time together. And let's say it like we believe this. This is actually what Jesus has done for us. He has made us free. We are free. This is our identity in Christ. This is who we are. Will you say it with me out loud? Let's say it together. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Say it with me. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't let yourselves be burdened. There's a, there's a key word in this that is, and is something that we have to realize. It's this word again. Don't let yourselves be burdened. So we know that this kind of bondage is, is, is a burden. But he says, don't let yourself be burdened again. Over the last few weeks, you've been hearing personal stories of people within our church who have felt trapped. They have felt trapped by something. They felt hopeless about something in their life, maybe even identified by a particular addiction or by some kind of sin. In the first week, you heard Greg Copeland sh share his awesome story of recovery and how he felt and, and, and has battled this addiction to alcoholism. And you heard the story of, of how, uh, you know, what God has done and is doing in his life. And last week, I shared with you as transparently as I could, and it was, it's embarrassing to talk about this, this problem that I've struggled with over the last 20 years. I talked about this cherished sin that I've had in my life, this cherished sin of gluttony and overeating and turning to food rather than God for, for comfort and for escape and for anything I could possibly think of because I love food more so than I even love God. And, and how we talked last week about how that's one that we really kind of say isn't that big of a deal, but it is a big deal. And I shared with you how it's been a big deal in my life and, and how it's left me feeling at certain times guilty and trapped and hopeless in a weight problem that I never saw myself being able to overcome. And so I felt this sense of defeat. I shared with you some about my process of recovery, and it is a process that I'm in. It's a process that I realize is moment by moment, and, and how I have to surrender every meal that I have and every feeling that I have that drives me to that escape, or I have to surrender that to God. 
And I have to, to recognize that God is the Lord of my life, not in just some areas, but he deserves to be the Lord of my life in every area. Every area in my life, including the way that I eat. In fact, the word of God says that whatever you do, do it under the glory of God. And then he goes on and says, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, unto the glory of God. And I got to tell you, I was not living like that. And I was suffering consequences because of this. And so we learned in our, our key verse last week, we learned this, that as a believer, Christ has already set us free, right? It says that this has already happened, that he's already done this in my life. This is my identity. This is something that I have to choose daily to live by in faith. It's already happened. The mentality cannot be, it's going to happen one day. Well, one day when I go to heaven, then I'll finally be free of this addiction. One day, whenever I'm dead and I'm gone, I'll be free of this. That's not what Jesus came for. Now, you are going to go to heaven if your faith is in Christ, and we will be set free from the, the sinful world that we live in. But Jesus said he's come to give us so much more right now. Not only eternal life, but abundant life now. Do you believe that? Amen. He said, you've been set free already. But so many of us, we don't live with that mentality. We live as people who are trapped. And, and we have to realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for sin in total, incomplete. He said it is finished, and the bill has been paid. That sin no longer lays claim to you any longer. Satan no longer lays claim to you. He redeemed you. He has bought you from the bondage of sin, and you belong to Jesus now. But unfortunately, what many of us end up doing is we don't stand firm. Look at what the word says. He says, stand firm. Take your ground. Don't let Satan push you back into your old way of living or into your old identity of this is who I, who I am, you know. And you, you saw in the video that these people were looking at all of these things and they were saying, this is who I am. This was their identity. I want you to think back to the very beginning and how sin entered into this world and, and, and how sin entered into humanity. I want you to think of, of this and how Satan knows this. He knows that you are created and wired to worship something. You're made to worship God. And our enemy Satan knows that you are made to worship and so, in the very beginning, what Satan did was, uh, where Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with one another, they were in perfect relationship with God, they were in a perfect place, uh, their environment was, 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 you know, in this beautiful garden, God blessed them with everything that they could have ever wanted, they, were in the, they weren't, you know, think, Adam and Eve, they weren't fighting, Adam wasn't like, man, this woman God that you've given me, oh my goodness, I've got to have a night out, okay, and the woman wasn't like, this guy's lazy, he won't even work in the garden, okay, it wasn't anything like this, their relationship was perfect, Everything was perfect. And think, the Bible says they were walking with God in perfect fellowship. God had told them that you can eat of anything in this garden. You can have everything. I want to bless you. I want, but this one area you need to stay away from because it's not good for you. This is something that's not going to be good. And so what is, uh, God had made them free and he told them that if you sin against me, that you are going to be in bondage to that sin and to that slavery, uh, or slavery to that sin and to death. And you're going to experience, you're going to experience death. You're going to be trapped in your sin. Satan, though, he knows how to exploit natural appetites. Satan can take something that is good and he can exploit it and turn it into excess in our life and it becomes something that's bad. And this is what he does. He exploits our natural appetites, appetites to worship, appetites to, to uh, worship something, and he presents a counterfeit. Something He presented a counterfeit to Adam and Eve, and he said that, you know, it's great that you're walking with God, but you know, God's kind of holding out on you. God is, has something that he doesn't want you to experience. In fact, you'll be a lot more like him, and he knows that, and so he's holding out. What he's doing is he's saying, God doesn't love you as much as you think he does. And so 
he brings a counterfeit in our lives. And this was a counterfeit. And we know the rest of the story. We know that they ate from the tree that God had told them not to. And, and you know what we have, a trouble, uh, we have trouble doing? We have trouble spotting counterfeits. We have trouble uh, picking out something that is a counterfeit from what the real thing is. And, and so we cave in. And what we do is we develop addictions. We develop, we develop counterfeits that we think are going to satisfy our appetites. We think that it will satisfy us, this thing that has us captured, and, and it will for a little bit. It will make us feel good for just a season. It'll make us feel like maybe things are going to be okay. But what ends up happening is we realize this, that it's not lasting. And it only lasts for just a little bit. It's a counterfeit. It can't satisfy completely. So what do we do? We need another fix. I need another fix. Or we move to another addiction. We move to something else, and we end up feeling, we end up feeling hopelessly trapped in this. And this cherished sin becomes our God. This cherished sin or the comfort that we find in it or the escape that we find in it, it becomes our God, and that's what we worship. When Christ came, when Jesus came because of the curse of sin and, and the, uh, the effects of sin and this bondage that we have lived in, he came to restore our original relationship with God and the freedom that we were made to live in him. A relationship where we live in freedom from addiction and, 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 and this sin that is our cherished sin. But so many of us still feel trapped by our past. Or we still feel trapped by this sin. Or maybe someone has hurt us in the past. Maybe we have been the victim uh, or uh, an abuse victim or something. And I'm not saying that that has not been a big thing in your life. It has been a big thing in your life. But maybe you have thought of yourself more as a victim throughout your entire life. And so we end up feeling trapped by something. Trapped by our past, trapped by sin, trapped by an addiction. In this series, what we've been wanting to do is not just say, hey, here's four easy steps and you're going to be fixed because what I've discovered is it doesn't work that way. What I've discovered is that it's a process. It's a day-by-day -day experience. It's something that I have to recognize, that I have to yield daily to the Holy Spirit, yield moment by moment to the Holy Spirit. Every time I get ready to eat, because this has been a stronghold in my life, I have to yield to God. And I have to say, God, may, may what I'm about to receive, may I eat unto the glory of you and not unto the glory of me. And may it be not just about me. May this be something that I receive as a gift from you. And that I don't let Satan exploit and, and, and really take this gift and pervert it. In this series, what we've been wanting people to do is to realize that God never intended for his people to live in bondage to anything. He never intended for you to be trapped and to feel trapped and to feel defeated and to feel like you can never change, to feel like this is just who you are. God never made you to live that way. He made you to be free. And you know that deep inside of your heart. He made you to be more than a conqueror, more than whatever it is that your addiction is that has become your identity. God has made you to be more than that. And last week, what I challenged you to do was to just get real before God and to say, Holy Spirit, and I challenge you, if you weren't here last week or if maybe you decided that you weren't quite ready last week to confront this, to say as a believer this morning, Holy Spirit, you talk to him this morning. Holy Spirit, you show me if there's anything that's not right in my life. God, is there anything, Holy Spirit, is there anything that... Lord, that has been more important to me than my relationship with you. Is there anything, Lord, that I've been turning to as an escape or I've been turning to that has had my thoughts captured? Yours may not be alcoholism like Greg mentioned a few weeks ago to where he said, man, that's all I ever thought of. He said, I just accepted that this is the way that I was. And I shared with you last week that, uh, that, and this is one of the ways that you know that something has become an addiction in your life. It's all you ever think of. It's what you want. It's what you desire. You care about it more than even others in your life. And Greg shared about that, and I shared about that. 
Holy Spirit, is there something in my life? Or maybe some of you, it could be lust. Or it could be pornography. Again, uh, what Satan does is he takes something that is a good gift from God, not porn, okay? Um, but he takes, he takes his sexual appetite that he has created us with, and he perverts it with things like pornography. And he perverts it with unhealthy things. And, and, and this is what Satan does. Or maybe for you, it's not that appetite that's out of control, but for you, it's the high that you get from spending money. And, and you just feel this. And so when things aren't going well for you, instead of turning to God, you're like, i got to spend money on something. Because I like the way I feel. At that moment, I feel good. But then you get the bill a little later on. And so you go into debt, and then you don't feel so good. And so then, because you're not feeling so good, what do you go do? You go spend more money. Have you ever found yourself doing that? I mean, it's this terrible cycle that we end up finding ourselves trapped in. For you, maybe it's not that, but maybe it's just the praise of other people. Maybe it's acceptance, and you'll do whatever you can just to feel like other people, you know, accept you. And, and, and so you have to, and you worship the praise that they give you. For you, maybe it's some kind of dependency on some other kind of chemical. Maybe it's tobacco or illegal drugs. Or, or maybe for you, it's your job. Maybe it's your work, and you're a workaholic. And, and, and you know, listen, before you ever can begin to find some kind of healing in your life, you have to be honest with yourself about what it is that has had dominance in your life and has held you captive and trapped. Before you can ever begin to escape that trap, you have to say, you know what? This has been a problem in my life. Now, I'm going to own this. I'm going to quit making it out to be no big deal. Because I told you last week, especially gluttony, we say it's really no big deal. You know, you got to eat. You know, everyone likes to eat. Our, our culture is a culture that revolves around food, right? Okay? And, uh, and, and here is the thing, is that we've made a God out of that. And food is not bad. Food is not the enemy. Food is good. Amen? Okay? It, it, it's our love. Money is not bad. Right? It's our love for it. It's our love for something else that we, we turn it into an idol in our life. Facebook is not bad. It can be, and I kind of hate it. But, but here's the deal. But it can also be used for good things, right? But if that's your obsession, your phone is your obsession. It's all you think about. You know, you can't even go without it for a few minutes. It's become an, obs an obsession in your life. And before you can ever find healing, uh, you have to say, this is something, God, that I, I need to deal with. I need to quit pretending like this isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. Anything that takes the place of God is a big deal, and it's idolatry. It is a big deal. I identified some common lies that we, that we buy into, lies that keep us in this, this cycle of being trapped, lies like, my sin is not that big of a deal, it is, okay, or lies like, my sin only affects me, no, as I shared last week, it affects more than just you. My sin affected my family uh, because of my disobedience and my gluttony, my family was being affected by some of the health problems that I was having. So it, it affects more than just you. Uh, the, the other lie we buy into is if I just do this, if I just work harder, um, if that would have already worked, or if that was true, that would have already worked for you, and you'd be free from all of this, right? Or it doesn't matter how I treat my body, although we looked last week, and Scripture says that my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where God takes up residency. What God was telling me is he didn't need so much room in, in this temple, okay? That we need to downsize the temple a tad, okay? And, uh, and, and so this was what he was telling me. Now, uh, these are common lies, but Satan never gives us the full picture of the consequences. He told Eve that, that if they would just have this, that it would be great, you know, and they would have this knowledge. But he didn't, he didn't show the full end picture of the destruction of this counterfeit comfort, of this counterfeit God. 
They thought that the pleasure of their sin would far outweigh the consequences. And today what I want, I want us to just look at is this other common lie that so many of us have bought into. We have said this. It is a lie from the enemy. It has become our identity. This is what we often think, and we think that we can never change. Here is that lie. I am just this way. I cannot change this. This is just the way I'm always going to be. I've tried to change it, but I simply can't do it. This is just my curse. This is who I am. And so the addiction or the sin becomes your identity, and, and you just say, hey, this is just who I am. For me, it was just, I'm just always going to be fat. I'm always going to be overweight. I'm always going to be unhealthy. This is my way. Uh, this is the way that I felt. I felt like I could never change. I got to the place where I gave up and I just said, this is just the way it is. I can't change. I'm, I'm helpless in this situation. Or I don't have it in me. You know, in this situation, I felt uh, our enemy tricks us. He tricks us into staying in this bondage that you've been made free for. Oh, let me let me give you an illustration. How many of you know what an invisible fence is? Anybody know what that is? Invisible fence. Okay. Let me. If you don't know, let me kind of share with you what this is. It's a contraption that is used by pet owners to keep a pet in a certain area in a yard or in a yard just altogether. And there's not an actual physical fence that's there. There is uh, this poor little unsuspecting little dog. Is, uh, he is trapped. He might look like that. Okay? And, and, and they put a collar on him, okay? And then when he walks past this one little area, it shocks him. Okay? How anybody could do that to that little thing, I have no idea. Okay? Though this kind of thing should be reserved only for these. Right here, it should be reserved for that. <laughs> Always, that's what that kind of tool should be used for. And when it happens to them, this is what they look like when it happens, okay? That's what that should be used for, but it's often used on little dogs, okay? Cute little dogs. By the way, I discovered this this week, that most cats need this series in Trap, because here's what most of them do. They watch, they sit around, they watch TV, drinking beer, you know? That's what most cats do. They need this series. You know this, okay? But here's the thing. What the invisible fence does is... After a certain amount of time of being zapped, uh, this, this animal begins to feel like I'm trapped right here. Uh, if I go beyond this, there's too much pain that is associated with freedom out there. <laughs> I'm made to be free, man. I'm made to run. But okay, I think I'll just stay in this. It's a little more comfortable to be here rather than to go through the pain of being free. What ends up happening is this, this poor little animal is a uh, poor little dog, not cat, but poor little dog is locked in by deception. It's deceived. At some point, you can actually turn the little invisible fence off, and they will not go past that, okay? Um, because they, they, they just have this mentality, this, they're locked behind this invisible fence. And, and again, one of the most common lies that we as Christ followers buy into is, I can't change. I can't change. And I've tried and I've messed up. And, and even when I did try, when we are free and we realize we're free, for many of us, we have found so much comfort in what holds us captive that we'd rather stay in the bondage of our sin than experience the freedom that God has given us. Because when we're free, then we're not in our comfort zone anymore. When we're free and we're, we've broken free from this and all we've ever known and this is what we're supposed to, I mean, we, we, just, we just can never, you know, we don't know how to live. So we live behind this invisible fence and we stay right there. We think the barrier is insurmountable. We think we can never break free. This is just the way it's always going to be. I'm never going to try. This morning as we look in 2 Corinthians um, at chapter 10, we're going to read this here in a minute, starting in verse 3. The Apostle Paul was addressing the church at Corinth, and what you need to know about the church at Corinth is they were believers like we are, and they had some serious issues with sin. Paul addresses it. They had issues of appetites of the flesh. They continued, although they were believers, they continued living in bondage to things from their past, 
They lived in bondage to, to the appetites of the flesh. Satan exploited this, and they had problems, if you'll see. And again, you'll see a lot of similarities in that church and in the church of America today. They had a lot of problems with sexual immorality. People who were believers were not living different in their sex life than the way the rest of the world was living. They had problems with greed. They had problems with materialism. You'll find if you read about them that they had problems with idolatry and they mixed in worship with God with worship of something else. You'll see that this is what this church did. Does this sound familiar? I mean, we do a lot of the same things, right? They were driven by the appetites of their flesh. It's what ruled them. They were believers, but they were slow to experience the transformation of God and the freedom of God that he had given them. And so Paul would have to address this with this church. He would have to tell them, listen, you're made for something different than that. This is not who you are anymore. This is where Paul told them, you're a new creation in Christ. That the old is gone, the new has come. This is where Paul began to talk about these things with them and try to help them understand their new identity in Jesus Christ, that they don't have to live that way anymore. That they can live differently. Many of them had bought into the lies of the enemy. They had bought into the lies of the philosophies of the world at that point. And they still live driven by their appetites of the flesh rather than led by the Spirit of God. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul writes this. He says, for though we live in the world. Guys, when you are a believer, Jesus does not just snatch you up and take you right up to heaven. You still live in a corrupt, broken, sin-filled world. Amen? Isn't that right where we're living, right? For though we live in the world, though, what does he say? We do not... What, say it with me. We, don't, we do not what? Wage war. Hold on to that thought because you need to understand that what you are in is a battle. And you have to stop thinking and treating it like it's not a battle because it is. You are under assault. Your family's under assault. This thing that you're dealing with, it is a battle. Paul speaks of it being a battle. He says it's a war. But we do not fight. We do not wage war. We don't fight the way that the world does. As a believer, we are we're given a different kind of way of fighting. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Paul says, though, on the contrary, they have these weapons we fight with. Read the next part with me out loud. They have what? They have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. So hold on to that. He says there's divine power. This word divine, uh, or excuse me, this word power is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this. It's explosive power. This is the kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's been made available to us, but so many of us, we, we don't realize it. We believe that we're powerless. And he says they have divine power to do what? Demolish, destroy strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? A stronghold, in the original language, this word stronghold is is the word akhuroma. And this word literally means this. It means to fortify. It means a strong fortress. And in other words, this is kind of a strong tower or a fortress. Uh, The enemy, Satan, has taken something in your life that rightfully belongs to you and to God. And he has established a stronghold in your life a beachfront in your life, so to speak, he has taken ground. And, and, and what this says, I mean, it's this fortress. It, it feels like you can't overcome it. It feels like you can't get it back. It feels like it doesn't belong to you. And so for many, our wrong way of thinking, our way of thinking that this is just who I am, this is the sin is my identity, this addiction is my identity, that's the stronghold in your life. The stronghold is I can never change. I've lost this ground. I could never get it back. Listen, what Greg talked about a few weeks ago, that was a stronghold in his life. What I talked about last week, that's a stronghold. It's a way of thinking. I I, I thought I can never change in this area. This is just who I, that's a way of thinking. It's a stronghold. I never felt like I could get it back. I felt hopeless in this. What is it for you that's a stronghold? A stronghold that you are feeling hopeless in. What Miss Linda shared with us in her video, that was a stronghold, a way of thinking about this, that I can never change. 
What I also want you to notice is that these things that you heard from Greg, from me, from Linda, you'll hear from others in the coming weeks about different battles, that is exactly what they are. They are battles. They are battles. And a battle is not easy. With a battle comes wounds. With a battle comes suffering at times. But they are exactly the way Paul describes it. They're battles. Paul talks about it being the spiritual warfare that you are in. He talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are in a war, that we fight with different weapons than the world does. He talks about the armor of God that we are to put on every single day. Why do you need armor? Because you're in a fight. You're in a fight. For whatever it is, it's a stronghold. And we've been laying down for too long just saying this is the way it's always going to be. And what God's saying to you this morning is it's time for you as a son and a daughter of the king to rise up and fight again. you got to fight. You've been laying down. You've given up. And he's saying, I made you for victory. Get up and fight. Get up and fight again. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that Satan is the father of all lies, right? And he's been telling you, you can never change for too long. And you've been buying into it. This is the invisible fence that's been holding you back. Because when you do begin to resist and you do begin to seek change, it's not an easy process. And it's more comfortable just to stay right where you're at in the misery of your bondage than to break out and to trust God every single step of the way. Because that's a battle. And it's a battle of the unknown. Satan not only is... Uh, a liar and the father of lies, the Bible tells us this, that he's a thief and he comes to steal and he comes to kill and he comes to destroy. And we've read that verse so many times that I think we've just kind of gotten used to it. But here is the thing. He hates you and he loves the fact that you're in bondage to something. And, and he loves the fact that, that you have accepted that this is just the way that it is and that he's had victory for far too long. And so what he's done is he has successfully stolen your identity in Christ. And instead of being a victor in Christ and an overcomer in Christ, you've accepted this. I'm just a sinner or an addict or whatever. And you fill the blanks. Our identity says we have been set free. Our identity says it's already happened. Our identity says we're sons and daughters, we're not slaves. Our identity in Christ says God's grace is sufficient in our lives. Our identity in Christ says he's enough. But for some reason, we think that he's not, and it's Jesus. Okay, I'm good with some Jesus on Sunday, but it's Jesus and something else. It's Jesus plus, and then you fill in the blank. See, if you don't relate to some of these strongholds, these common strongholds that maybe some of you this morning, you have been thinking, a way of thinking has a grip. The enemy has a stronghold in your life in this area. For some, it's in the area of their finances. And, and maybe either greed is something that has been a, a stronghold and you see yourself, you know, I'm just always going to be selfish. I never could be a generous person, uh, you know, or I'm always going to worry about money. I'm never going to trust God. I'm always going to see myself, you know, as having money problems. I'm always going to be in debt. I'll never be able to get out of this. This is just the way it is, so I'm just going to keep perpetuating this kind of lifestyle. That's a financial stronghold that the enemy has in your life, and you need to take that back from him. And you need to recognize that God has made you for more. Or how about this false identity here? A relational stronghold. I could never have good friendships. I could never have good relationships. My marriage is always going to stink. It's always going to be this way. God, I've trusted people in the past, but they burned me. And so I don't trust anymore. So I'm just going to be, I'm just going to isolate. I've been hurt too many times. I can never forgive. I'm just always going to be bitter. That's a relational stronghold that you are made to take captive today instead of letting Satan have that dominion in your life. Here's another one, habitual strongholds. This is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. 
You know, uh, maybe it's uh, you're held captive to gambling. Okay, God, come on, God, come on, help me out, God. You let me win. I promise I'll tithe it to the church, Lord Jesus. Help me, you know, and or whatever. And that's all you think about. That's all you think about, you know, which may be why you have a financial stronghold. Just saying, okay. Um, or maybe for you, it's lust. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I've got a problem with this. This is just who I am. You know, I, I can't overcome this. Or maybe it's a chemical. Maybe it, it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. It could be pain medicine. We see that happen to good people all the time. That something grabs a hold of their life. It could be tobacco. It could, I don't know, what is it for you? It could be $5 drinks from the really expensive store, okay? You know what I'm talking about. It could be Dr. Pepper. That's hard to even say, okay? Um, that was hard to get out, man. You know what, in essence, what we're saying? We will stand together in worship, and we will sing, How great is our God, except, God, you must not be big enough for that. True? True? You're great, God, and I'm going to sing about it. But I don't believe it about that. Uh, that's, that's what we do. You're just not big enough, God. In essence, that's what we're saying. God, you can't change me. My problems are too big for you. What does that say about what we believe about our God? God, you are victorious. You are the king. So you have to face what reality is if you're ever going to begin getting better. Quit pretending like it's not a big deal. It, it is. Because it's standing between you and what you are made to be in God. I want to give you just, in the final moments, just some takeaways for you this morning, okay? Because as we look at this, we've got to change our way of thinking. Because we've come to believe this and we've just started thinking this way. This is the way I'm always going to be. I can't change this. Paul addresses this in this same chapter. He tells us this, and this is, this is a takeaway for you. This is where you start. These thoughts, this way of thinking that has held you captive and you've accepted and you've laid down in the fight and you're not fighting anymore Here's what you got to do when these negative thoughts come towards you is you must take captive every thought. Every thought and do what? Make it obedient to Christ. But what, what has happened is we have let every thought take us captive. And we live obedient to its consequences. We have to flip that. We have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought that is inconsistent with the word of God and what it says you are and what it says you can do, you take it captive. You say no more. This is not the way I am made. This is not too difficult with God's help with all things are possible. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And there's some key things I want you to see. He says, here's what we do in this. We demolish. We demolish. Which, which says this. Is there's someone else involved in the process with you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, what God says you are and who God says you can be and what you can do, we demolish these arguments and we, he, he, notice he says we, we take captive every thought and we do what? Make it obedient to Christ. Not it holds us in bondage anymore. This is who you are. Take captive the thought. Take captive the negative mindset. Take captive the stronghold that Satan has established in this way of thinking that this is the way I'm always going to be. And you grab it. You don't let it grab you. You grab this. You make it subject to Christ. You make it subject to God's word. And you refute it with the word of God. And you rebuke it. You have been empowered 
and you are a son of the king and a daughter of the king. We don't allow these thoughts that are inconsistent with God's word to take up residency anymore in our minds. We begin to fill our minds with the word of God. Paul was battling false doctrine, but he was also battling people who were living very sinfully, and they had just accepted that this is the way that they were always going to be. And Paul said, no more. You're a new creation in Christ. You're different. You've been made for more than that. You've been made free. These thoughts that have held you captive by God's grace and God's strength, we hold them captive now. We turn the tides. As I mentioned last week, since my college days, for over 20 years, I have struggled with a weight problem. And I have gone back and forth and back and forth and, and, and to a point where there have been many times where I've just said, I got no more fight in me. This is just the way it is. And it's not that big of a deal anyway, okay? And so what, I, what would I do? I would mask it with jokes about it. I would mask it and I'd laugh about it and I'd, I'd make other people laugh about it because, you know, I, and, but whenever I'd be by myself, I felt like someone that was an incredible failure and I felt defeated and I thought this thing has my number and this is it and I laid down I'm telling you man I laid down I just said this the way it is laid down quit fighting and I would make excuses and justify it as I shared last week though it is a big deal it's a big deal because it affected my mentality and, and, and it was a big deal because it affected my witness as I would say, hey, God can set you free from anything. Well, almost anything <laughs> except for obesity. God can set you free. God, God has so much for you. And people are going, well, what about you, dude? Is that not true for you? Is it not true, you know, in your life? For the long, longest time, I have bought into the mindset of fat Bart is who I will always be. That's who I'll always be. And that's not what God made me for. God made me for so much more than that. Jesus came not only to give me eternal salvation, but to give me abundant life now. And he came to give you that now, victory now, to stop living in the bondage of the lies of the enemy. And, and I'm just going to say this with love for you this morning, because I'm, I'm there, I'm with you. I'm not ahead of you, I'm with you in the process. But here's the deal, we are supposed to help each other as the body of Christ. Some of you, you've laid down and you've quit, and that's right where you are right now. And you're in a battle, and you've got to get up, and you've got to fight. You need, to, you need to get up and fight again. You've laid down, and God's made you for more than that. You've got to rise up. And these thoughts will start creeping back into my mind, and I'll start, start kind of thinking, uh, you know, in those negative mindsets, because I've thought this way for 20 years, and it's now, I'm just now having to reprogram my way of thinking in this, and I'll start thinking, I can't change, I can't do this, I'm always going to be stuck like this. Whenever your mind says, I can't overcome this addiction, I can't do this, we've got to take those things captive. And make them obedient to Christ. I'm just an addict. No, you're not. You are more that you were made for more than that. You are a blood-bought person of Jesus Christ that He values. That's who you are. It's not this stuff that has identified you for so long. You are identified as being in Christ Jesus. And, and the way you take captive these thoughts, remember when, when Satan was coming to Jesus and tempting him, how did Jesus refute him and rebuke him? How did he do it? He did it with the word of God. Satan would say, well, what about this? And Jesus would say, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. Over and over again. And you know what? Eventually Satan had to run. He had to flee. So you've got to know the word of God. You've got to be in God's word. You've got to arm yourself. Paul talks in Ephesians about the word of God is your sword. It's your weapon that goes on the offense. It's not just you're always back on your heels. You've got to get up and start moving forward and fighting again. Instead of always being back, drawn back, you are a warrior 
And you say things like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not by my power, but by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of my testimony. That's your identity. That's who you are. We capture every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. Paul did this when he was in prison for the gospel. Don't you know that could have been a place where he could have just felt sorry for himself? I'm a victim. I've, I, I, but no, Paul said this. I'm not going to worry about anything. I've learned to be content in all things. And then he said, and you know what? I've learned to change my way of thinking, whatever's true. He said, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here's what he's doing. He's capturing those thoughts, and he's making those obedient to Christ. I think about such things, not that this other stuff is my identity. Here's a final thing for you this morning as you're taking notes, is that what you're always going to see Anytime there is a battle that's going on, that you work in partnership with God for victory. Because times where I've tried all by myself, usually that's where I fail. And I bomb, and I cave in. And when you study Israel, and you see that they had a lot of fights, you'll see that they started maybe getting a little cocky, and you'll see that they would end up, God would go, okay, go, go ahead, try to fight this on your own, and they would end up losing, you know, in their battles. And, and, but whenever they would partner with God, and, and, and there were times, yes, where God came and he just wiped out the other enemy or he confused them and they wiped each other out, but you'll find more times than not they were in partnership with God and they fought and God gave them victory and it was through his power through them. Paul says in Colossians, he says, to this end I labor struggling. It's a struggle, right? Paul knew the struggle. Struggling with all whose energy? His energy, which so powerfully works in who? Me. It is at work within me. His energy. I don't win this with my energy. I show up for the fight, and I get in the fight, and I struggle, and I labor, but what so many end up doing is we go to one or two of two extremes. We say something like this, well, I just got to try harder. I got to be better. I got to do this. It's all about me, and then we end up failing, and then we end up feeling trapped, or the well-meaning Christ follower says, I just, all I need to do is just pray about this, because here's the thing. I've, I've tried that myself. That didn't work either. What God is saying is, no, you've got to show up for the fight. And you've got to put forth some effort, and you've got to put some energy in it. And when you're feeling weak, and when you're feeling that, that God's energy is what is going to last. And it's day to day. Paul says, I labor, I struggle. It's the word agonizomai. It means this, to contend with an adversary. To contend. We get, uh, we get this word agony out of it. And, and sometimes this battle is agony. <laughs> I struggle. God's calling you this morning to not only just pray, but to try and surrender to him. And surrendering is not uh, giving up. It's not laying down. It's saying, God, take it all. I'm still showing up, and I'm trusting that you're going to do a work through me. Your strength is going to get it done. My old nature is dead. It no longer lives. It doesn't dominate me like it used to. I've been crucified with Christ. I capture these thoughts, and I make them obedient to Christ. These addictions that have been my identity, that's not who I am. I'm in Jesus. Surrendering is giving up and giving in, not to defeat, but to a new way of living. This morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me today. And some of you, you maybe you've been fighting the battle, and you know maybe you're just feeling a little weak this morning, and I hope that you feel encouraged to know that God wants to infuse you with his strength today. Some of you this morning... Maybe you've just smooth give up and you've just resigned. And this morning is not to make you feel condemned. It's to come alongside you as a fellow battler and saying, come on. 
God has so much more for you. Get up. You've got a race to run. You've got a, a battle to fight. Your race isn't over until it's your time and God takes you home. You've got to keep fighting. Get back in the battle. His strength is going to bring you victory. Your identity is not in what you used to be. It's who you are in Jesus today. You are more than a conqueror. You're a son and daughter of the king. The scripture says, he who the son sets free is free indeed. That's who you are. As believers, we have to live that in faith. So get back up. This morning, if you'd say, Pastor, as I just, as I look at my life, and I look at what's going on, the Spirit of God has spoken to me about maybe an area that I've just said, this is just the way it's always going to be. And this morning, I just want to surrender this to God. I want to surrender it to Him. I, I'm going to show up for the fight. I surrender it to Him, and I trust Him. This morning, I take that thought captive. I make it obedient to Christ. I want to partner with God. Would you just pray with me this morning that I have courage to get back in the battle today? If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you today. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you'd say, I just need some prayer to get back in this fight, to get back in the battle. If that's you, would you just lift your hands this morning? I want to pray for you today. God bless you. Many, just as, as we're in the first service, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your victory. We thank you in advance for the way that you, Lord, not only have set us free, but continue to set us free, God. I pray that EVC would be known as a place of freedom, that we would be known, Lord, as a people who are free in Jesus Christ. God, give these who have lifted their hands this morning the ability to recognize the lies of the evil one, to capture those lies, to take back the lost ground, and, Lord, to make those lies obedient to Christ and to battle with your word. We partner with you in this process, God. We know that we can't defeat this on our own. Lord, we know that you love to work through your people, and you want to do exceedingly more and abundantly more than we can even dream and imagine. Your strength brings us victory. Your strength brings us power. I pray, Lord, for these who have lifted their hands, that they would be encouraged today. I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here knowing who we are in Christ. And, Lord, we would get back in the fight. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, the one who gives us victory. And it's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.